Hello, and welcome to episode number 30 of the Star Bros Podcast. I'm joined by my bro host, Ben Skywalker. And I'm joined, as always, by my bro host, Jan Solo. We are 30 years old. And you may hear that some of the enthusiasm is gone from our voices because we're now that we're in our 30s of the episodes, we're going to fall asleep at 8 o'clock and um, we can't Dude, party it's like past we 8 o'clock. We're like, oh man, my bedtime's coming up. Yep, bedtime's coming up. Um, <laughs> Got to think about my 401k, pay my mortgage. Uh, when am I going to pay off those student loans? Never. Never, the answer is. <laughs> we're, we're, we're sounding very ominous and depressing for our, our 30th episode because really we are excited we yeah but. we are i mean this is it's a big milestone i i we've been uh pretty consistent and uh we've been having a great time and i couldn't believe when you said that this was episode 30 i feel like it kind of snuck up on us and yeah. i hope that just kind of keeps going yeah every milestone should just sneak up on you and be like oh wow that's the thing that's happening cool yep Moving on to the next one. Yes, right? sir. So uh, tell our listeners how you're doing today. I want to know how you're doing. I'm doing well. Um, you, dear listeners, cannot see, but we are surrounded by boxes. We're down in my living room. And this is this is going to be the last episode that we record in this house. That is very true. And, and the next episode that we record will be in my new house. Yes, <laughs> where we'll be moving in because my wife and I are being evicted. That's not a true. joke. That's not true. That's not true. <laughs> you um, are more... Uh, trustworthy than that or i don't know we're we're okay we're we're moving um Frugal. We, we bought our first house and then right before our move my wife broke her ankle and tore a tendon in her ankle so i'm going to be doing most of the heavy lifting and she'll what? be doing the supervising what did you do to karma recently i don't know i'm just going to roll with it what, what does karma have against you right now i don't know but okay it's, it's okay um well, but Hope for a speedy recovery for Jess. Yes. Because that's just awful. Yeah. I'm glad that she's not going to need surgery or anything, but still, I don't want to be on crutches for any longer than I have to. Nope. Nope. And so um, there's no funny story. So I was trying to think of like a good Star Wars story of how she broke her ankle. Like stepping. She, she was chasing after a womp rat like she shouldn't have been. Yep. And uh, got know. caught in an Ewok snare. And pulled up into a tree. I, I was going to say uh, uh, the Sarlacc pit or something like that. Oh my gosh, she got a, out. You know, a, a, a really bad run in falling into a pit and <laughs> got herself out just in the nick of time, but not unscathed. She's going to have her own Disney Plus series, The Book of Jess Fett. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I Very like cool. it too. But how are you, man? How's, how are things? Oh, good, man. Uh, I Dude, the fun thing that I'm doing right now is in moving into a new house. Uh, you have a lot of work to do and it just takes forever to get unpacked you'll you know and you'll experience that again very soon but i've been really excited because for the first time ever i have kind of my own space and my wife has been laughing at me because the whole house needs attention there's something to do every in, in every room and everywhere you go and for the record i am lifting it you know pulling my weight in all these uh, other rooms but nothing like what i've done in my office uh i've just been over obsessed with it and trying to make it look really cool and put up all my gadgets. I mentioned last time it was going to be like all my hobbies. And I literally have like my ukuleles on one wall, my red wings and hockey pictures on another wall. And then a bunch of star Wars stuff all over the place. So, um, I ordered my first ruggable. That's like a star Wars one. And I'm just looking forward to it. And I've been planning it out knowing that we're going to record some podcast episodes there. Yeah. And I can't wait. Maybe our next episode, maybe we'll record there. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. Um, I put up a little uh, 
a little. I put up a uh, one of those barnyard doors, those sliding doors. Yeah, it took me forever, but I I did that to get a little bit of privacy in there. Which People is really love cool. those things. So yeah, it should be fun to to go in there and lock ourselves in and talk Star Wars. It should be fun. I can't wait. I can't wait to check it out. And just in case anybody's wondering, yes, Ben and I bought our houses with that sweet podcast money. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not all, all the podcasters out there just laugh to themselves they're just like what are you talking about <laughs> can we have a slice no we <laughs> can no we're still asking if we can have a slice yeah there, there's literally no pie to slice um, we're just having fun talking star wars yeah, that's man. all it is yeah and and as are many podcasters and um and and we love it and we appreciate and we love listening to other podcasts. And I'm actually going to mention, I think, a couple tonight. So we'll get around to that in a moment. But um, Very cool. Hey, what do you say we jump into the news? Segment number one, news from across the galaxy. <laughs> that was some... Uh, that, those were distance. really far away, those shots. <laughs> you want to stay away. They're having a war over there. <laughs> just, just don't go near it. Quiet war. Well, there is a lot of news. Um, I'm going to start on... Uh, a piece of news that we actually should have shared last time um, because it happened on July 28th, which I think was right uh, right around or after the time that we recorded. Um, and it's not a good piece of news, unfortunately. It's uh, So the author, uh, J.W. Rinsler, passed away on July 28th um, in, in a battle against pancre- uh, pancreatic cancer. Uh, I just recently ne- learned the name, honestly, and it was... Uh, because I I bought the making of Star Wars book and we talked about it on our episode just a what a, a, for our annual our, our year episode yeah the, just the anniversary. a couple months ago I guess yeah and loved the book and and have been enjoying it and and then found out that he had just passed away I'm like that's sad so he did a lot of uh, a lot of the making of Star Wars books uh, he started with with um, the prequels and did some of the art of that and. Uh, and then did the definitive making of Star Wars book, and then since went on, or after that went on to uh, Empire and Return of the Jedi to cover those. And um, so it's it's a very sad loss. Uh, he'd done a lot more books than that too, but um, those those are the ones that at least a lot of Star Wars fans will know him for. Um, but it's it's a sad loss. So we we definitely want to extend our uh, our heartfelt condolences to his family and and friends. So and to the whole Star Wars community that has benefited from him. Yeah, and and I, I'll admit, I didn't know who he was before the obituary went around. I was just one of those people, like many, who enjoyed his work without knowing the man's name and, and being aware of who he was. But I was really impressed to see who came out of the woodwork to say kind things about him, including George Lucas. Oh, yeah. Who, yeah. who had a lot of nice things to say about him and his contributions to the overall Star Wars uh, world, universe, galaxy, whatever It'll you want to call it. It'll last forever. I mean, he he covered the the movie that changed it all and uh, that has really set the bar for a lot of cinema Yeah, and, and covered it in a way that is definitive. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad it's on my bookshelf and glad that I have uh, the, the chance to open it up and learn from it and we wouldn't have had it without him. So, yeah. Um, let's move on to maybe some other news. The biggest thing that happened this week was probably the Visions trailer that dropped. Yes. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, this is this is I think you're correctly sizing this one up as a way that Star Wars is finding um, its global brand or its footing as a global brand. So Visions is an anime focused Japanese made series of Star Wars stories 
These are original stories created by Japanese artists and storytellers, done mostly in different types of anime styles. And I'll be the first to admit that I, I'm, I, I don't know much about anime at all. And in fact, our, our bro Tommy from Braxium tweeted the other day that as an anime fan, he can see this being sort of the gateway to anime for a lot of Star Wars fans who just aren't in that world yet. Yeah. The trailer looks amazing. I'm, yeah. I'm grinning to myself thinking about it. Yeah. Um, it is so Star Wars, but at the same time, so not. Yeah. It, it's it's so that anime style of action and splashes of color and excitement and the tension that I think anime does really well. It's all that really cool stuff. Yep. Um, but with highly stylized Japanese lightsabers and, and yeah. those types of things. And that that show that we're expecting towards the end of September, that's not the only Visions thing. For a while, I think back on May 4th when it was announced, I thought it was just going to be this limited run series, but there are going to be books as well. Like manga books, I guess is how you say it. It's not manga. Like Yep, manga, I think. I know what you're talking about. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Randy would say manga. Manga. <laughs> Gonna, probably I'm, a little twang with I'm that. I'm going to go down to Oklahoma City and get some of them manga books. <laughs> <laughs> Randy always has to show his face. Um, but dude, the there so there's a book coming out on October 12th, which is the first Visions book, the first Visions manga book, um, and it's called Ronin. And Ronin, there was a action movie with this title like 10 plus years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a ronin is a rogue or a wandering samurai. Mm. And the the gist of it is, I'll, I'll read the short description to you. How cool is this character sound? Um, so this is ronin. Uh, let me see here. I just want to make sure I get the, uh, the date right. Yes, it's coming out on October 12th. You can pre-order it now through all the, the normal channels. But here's the product description that they have on Amazon. A mysterious former Sith wanders the galaxy in this Star Wars tale, an original novel inspired by the world of the Duel and Star Wars Visions animated anthology. Hmm. A mysterious wandering Sith. Oh. And kind of sounds like Maul, you know? Yeah, but I like I, a I, Maul character, but okay, okay, I'm cool. I'm I'm into this. Yep. Uh but then there there's a bit in here um that mentions that this is after the Sith rebellion has failed. And so he's sort of wandering rogue after the architecture of his belief system has kind of come crashing down. Hmm. And I wonder what that means for him. Is he kind of like the bad batch that we'll be talking about a little bit later where (laughs) you're trying to survive any way you can, or is this maybe an opportunity for him to question being a Sith? I don't know. It could go in so many cool directions. Um, And the artwork looks fantastic and you can actually see the artwork on our twitter at yeah, starburst you did, podcast you tweeted that that's right man that's exciting and i would i'll admit for this uh for this it, it did get me really excited to watch it because i'm the same as you like i don't have too much anime background and um you know have you seen uh, any have i seen any like yeah. dragon ball z back in the day like watched yeah. a little bit of that but yeah. it, it never really hooked me in mm-hmm. um maybe i was just too into that 70s show kind of stuff like uh, comedies. What? I don't know. I was a weird kid, <laughs> but uh, I, I thought what was really cool about this was that they they really stayed true to anime, and and it was like the whole trailer was Japanese, and it was even just um, it was subtitled with they had the English subtitles, but you could tell it wasn't like 
Like they always come out with new tra- trailers, like different versions of the trailers for different um, markets, uh, countries, and yeah. kind of whatever works in getting people excited in those countries. It's kind of tailored in that direction. Um, so like if it, it releases in China, for example, they'll they'll do a lot more to show the visual effects of it because that's the kind of stuff that really gets people excited uh, to go to the movies. Um, so it's just they tell the same story just in a different way to cut it. This felt like it was a trailer that was releasing in Japan that we were getting the chance to watch and will be released here. You know, it, it felt really true to um, to to just anime. Yeah, um, which I'm excited about. the The one thing that was cool that I noticed uh, when I was curious, like, okay, are they going to have this in Japanese only, and you have to watch it with the English subtitles? Which, which, by the way, I would be totally fine with. I would be totally fine with too, and, and probably a lot of people will do that. Yeah, and in fact, the first time I watch it, um, if there are other options, I guess you're going to tell us that. The first time I watch it, I want to watch it in the Japanese, and I just want to get the full effect. Yeah, I think a lot with of people with the subtitles will. because I don't understand. Because you don't understand, but that's what a lot of people do. It's to just get that full authentic experience. But you, you know, you may you know want to watch it with the English version too. You know what I do know in Japanese? What's that? Um, don't say Tamagotchi or something like that. No. Um, <laughs> from a show that you recommended for me, Our Man in Japan. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With James yeah. May. With James May. Um, and he just keeps going, sumimasen, yes. <laughs> everywhere he goes, which is just him being a Westerner apologizing and saying, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> which he needs to a lot. Yes. He really does. But I keep interrupting, please. No, you're fine. But the uh, the voice actors they, that they got to do the English voiceovers are recognizable names. So Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Wow, really? Mm-hmm. Neil Patrick Harris. NPH? Yes. Uh, David Harbour. Who was just in? Oh, yeah. He was in Stranger Things, and he was just in uh, Hellboy. Oh gosh, uh, Black Widow. And oh, and Black Widow, yeah. Allison Brie. No way from Community. From Community, yeah. Wow. And uh, little Lucy Annie Liu. Edison. What's that? Annie Edison from Community. That's, that's right. <laughs> it's one of my favorite TV programs. I'm still watching it right now. It's it's so it's interesting. It's my brother's uh, who's Is listening. It? Thanks, brother. Wow. Um, it's one of his favorite as well. He's a man of refined taste. Yeah. That's what I always say about your brother, Jason. <laughs> I love that. What's his uh, name? Jacob. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Uh, that was fun. <laughs> That's very Hollywood of me. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting really up there with this podcasting thing, man. Everyone I'm sorry, knows who Jacob. you are. Um, I'm sorry. Lucy Liu was the last one that I know. Lucy Liu? Yeah. So I recognize every single one of those names. Yeah, and, and there are a lot more names than that, and probably some that I would others might recognize. I just didn't, but I, I pulled out the ones I recognize, and that was a quite a long list. I would have been surprised if there was like two of those, but that whole list is amazing. Wow. It's, it's a, a list that I'm sure, as I read those, you knew somebody on that list, and it probably wasn't just from How I Met Your Mother. Do Do we know, by the way, are any of those people like uh, serious Star Wars fans that you know of? I would imagine, I mean, if they aren't, I would imagine that all of them have some sort of answer around. I got into cinema because I was excited by what Star Wars showed. Like they get, they were inspired by it. Like yeah. some story along those lines. And so. I don't, I don't think. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think any of those names have had any uh, voice acting work in any Star Wars stuff or been in the background or any, anything like. This is all of them. This is their first foray into Star Wars. You did just remind me that Tamara Morrison is going to be in it and voice Boba Fett. Okay. Well, then, then yeah. So um, besides him, obviously. Yeah. Um, what a cool way to start. What a cool way yeah. to get into it. Yeah. 
Especially if you like don't want to do the live action something or like didn't really. Yeah. Anyway, there's so much to look forward to there. Oh, um, so cool. Speaking of live action, unless you have anything else you want to share on that, let's move on to another piece of news, which is Lucasfilm is apparently looking to cast Sabrine Wren in live action and is in the process of trying to cast her. Uh, I think there's a lot of speculation or, or belief. I, I don't know how confirmed this is that her, she's likely to show up in the Ahsoka series. Um, when we last see her in Rebels, there's the scene where Ahsoka shows up to see her and they're going to go and tr- go off and try to find Ezra Bridger. You obviously have confirmation from um, season two of The Mandalorian where mm. uh, Ahsoka's MO is to find Grand Admiral Thrawn. Um, so it, it just kind of meshes together to say like this is probably going to be the journey that we see her go on and Sabrine makes sense to, to bring in. What might disappoint people is that uh, oh people actor- hate disappointment what are you going to hit us with <laughs> uh the the actress that that plays or does the voice for um for sabine on rebels i think uh, i'm just trying to remember her name right now i think it's tia uh double checking yep tia sakar she might not be in consideration so this sounds like it might go down the same path of ashley Eckstein. i am disappointed well <laughs> <laughs> I will admit I am a little bit more disappointed about this one than I am about um, Ashley. Yeah, I so I like Ashley Eckstein. Oh, I love her. I think she great. she was fantastic, um, but I also didn't think she made sense for a live action Ahsoka. And maybe she just doesn't have that experience as much. Yeah. Or there could have been a lot of other reasons too, which we won't get into. But this one I'm a little bit more dif- uh, disappointed in because Tia Sakar does. Do you know mm. where she's from? No. You would know. Can she's Vicky from The Good Place. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Goes yep. Sian's brain. Yep. And we worked in our Good Place reference. There's our Good Place Pretty reference. Pretty early on. It's we got it in the news. It's been a while. I know. Yeah. Only through the news now. Yeah. But she's Vicky in The Good Place. So okay, cool. She has the legs to do uh, live action. She's yeah. done it. Now, I don't know if she has the ability to do like the... The flying around and the fighting and everything that we see Sabine do, and so maybe that's what they're looking for. I don't, I don't know, but that's the piece of news there. Okay, excited? I'm excited to get her in live action. She's cool. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be really cool. Um, uh, I have a bit of news. You're moving. Yep, we talked about that. Yep, uh, it's somebody's birthday. Whose birthday? Uh, do you want to guess? Uh. Neil Patrick Harris. Do you want to ask Akinator whose birthday it is? <laughs> I should. I, I haven't used Akinator in a while. That thing's fun. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's not Neil Patrick Harris's birthday. It's Ahmed Best's birthday. Ahmed Best. Yes. yes. Um, who, who famously played C-3PO. Who famously <laughs> played, um, uh, was it Bulio, I think? I can't no. <laughs> um, but I'm at best who played Jar Jar Binks and who has gone through this, I guess, renaissance or revival where people have come yeah. to really appreciate who he is because he's a, an amazing human being. Because uh, the people who grew up with watching him and liked him are now old enough to to show him that he, yes, they liked him. The, the people who were children, I guess, for the most part and, you know, weren't like cynical jerks watching <laughs> the prequels. Um, enjoyed... We're kidding. We love all of you guys, but you're cynical jerks. Yep. Um, <laughs> Just kidding. 
they just you know I, th- the, I think you're absolutely right i think the the kids that really just enjoyed jar jar and and enjoyed the movies uh for just the cinematic excitement of them um are grown up now and they're like yeah he did a really nice job and there's all these stories that keep coming out about just how lovely a human being he is and how yeah. lovely a person he is. Never deserved the treatment he got. Never deserved it. And um, it sounds like uh, there's just more and more of these stories like where he went to Celebration. I believe the last Celebration got a standing ovation in front of the the live audience there. People are appreciating Ahmed Best. We appreciate Ahmed Best. And um, now there is, you know, one of those, you know, Twitter uh, rampage things to like get him into more Star Wars content. He deserves it, and I'm all for it. So happy birthday, Ahmed Best, who obviously listens to this show all the time. Uh, obviously, right? Um, <laughs> You've heard it here. This is the first place you hear, you're hearing it. We should have an Ahmed Best Appreciation Day. Yes, in Star Wars on the Star Wars calendar. Absolutely. Why not today? Let's have this one be the first one. This is it. The birthday is the best day to make it. Why not? All right, let's do it. Okay. The Jar and we'll call the Jar Jar Binks Ahmed Best Appreciation Day. Yep. I'm good with that. Cool. So it's Let's official. It. Write your congressperson. I, I I expect to see him in the next season of The Bad Batch because he's got to be around somewhere. That'd be cool. Right? Maybe he's gone back to, uh, to oh, what's it called? I just forgot the name of the city. Um, Utapau? Denver. No, it's not Utapau. Uh, Denver. <laughs> uh, I can't remember. Whatever. Um, but maybe he's going to go back to the Gungans and, as the senator and just let them know, hey, the public's fallen. We yeah. need to go even further underground. That that would work, maybe. But I I welcome I welcome that uh, I welcome Ahmed Best in more Star Wars stuff, and I wish him tons of success because he did have a really hard road there for a little bit. He people did. were very unkind, and it was very unfair. Well, people should people should be kinder to him now. now yeah. That, uh, yeah. The 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 tables have turned. They're the balance is back in the balance. I don't know what phrase to use. I think the phrase is how the turntables. How the turntables. Yeah. Michael Scott. That's a Michael Scott quote right there. <laughs> you know that episode where he says that? I think it's the same one. as the same one where he's like, um, you you miss 100% of the, the, the shots you don't take. Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky, quoted by Michael Scott. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Good episode. Oh, brilliant. Um, anyway, let's move on. So... The other two pieces of news, very small, quick ones before we get to... But wait, the there's batch. more? What's that? But wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. Wow. Uh, Taika Waititi was interviewed recently and said that he's begun writing his um, his movie that's mm-hmm. going to come out in the, in the near future. I mean, we still haven't got the one they just wrapped up, which is Thor Love and Thunder. So it's going to be a while. But he started to write it. Which did, did you see exciting. what he tweeted about writing it? He said something like, uh, I'm working on the script for my Star Wars movie, and I can't wait to completely ruin Star Wars for everyone. <laughs> it's just such a Taika thing to say. I appreciate his self-awareness, and he knows that he's sort of stepping into um, the lion's territory. Den. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's going to be interesting to see how this, this goes with uh, a lot. Of, a lot of people will be like, that's not Star Wars, but it's going to be. I welcome it. The most Star Wars thing someone's ever seen, too. Yep. Yep. Can't wait. Um, and the other small piece of news was, well, we, I guess we got the comics that came out this week, some pretty big ones, War of the Bounty Hunters number three and uh, the Marvel High Republic number eight just recently. You got to go check those out. Uh, the Number eight is the last issue, I think, in that volume. So it kind of wraps up the story as we know so far, but leaves room to continue it with the Drangir. That'll be cool. And War of the Bounty Hunters, you just don't want to miss. 
it's so good. Yeah, and and I've really enjoyed covering the Marvel series for the Baraxium YouTube channel on Quick Shots, which come out every Wednesday uh, when new uh, Star Wars comics are coming out. Yep. That's been a wild ride. Um, I have a new appreciation for Kevin Scott's writing. Yep. And uh, the artwork is fantastic and just highly recommend you checking the Baraxium YouTube channel out and seeing some great coverage of those because it's... Really compelling stories, great artwork, and a lot of fun. Yeah, we have a blast covering it. Uh, it it's, it's been great. Let's move on now. Now, all right, last piece of news. We got our season finale. Oh, you faked me out there. <laughs> well, this is the segue into segment two. Segue into segment two. Look at that. Uh, more to the story. But the last piece of news that we got is the season finale for The Bad Batch. Uh-huh. And it was pretty good. Did not disappoint. My book, at least. No, uh, it had a few things that I really enjoyed, and I'm going to come back to this in the main segment when we're talking about the Bad Batch on the whole. Um, it had a couple things that are like my greatest fears: a monster in a tube attacking you. Well, the tube, yeah, like claustrophobia and then drowning. Oh yeah, <laughs> and there's plenty of that—the threat of those things in this episode. Oh but, yeah, um, lots of it. I, I, I really. Uh, so it's it's the end of the Kaminoans. And that's a bit sad, or at least the end of most of them and the end of the cloning facility. It's the end of Topoka City. We don't know what happened to all the, the, the Kaminoans. Yep. Um, but we don't. We do know what happened to the baby clones. Mm-hmm. And that was hard to watch. Yeah. That was sad. Yeah. Like, I just felt like, okay, this, is, this has to be, if not the worst, one of the worst things the Empire has done. And it's only been a couple of weeks or months since the empires existed yep that's true that's a good point fresh out of the gate they're doing nightmarish stuff i i mean you know destroying alderaan is probably one of the worst but yeah not the worst no that is the worst but they had to start somewhere and they started in a pretty bad place yeah um so uh good action uh heavy duty dark moments um you know just a city being blown to bits and falling into the sea with a few folks trying to hang on uh some pretty dark imagery and sad stuff but yeah um ends well thank goodness spoiler alert um mostly well ends well enough um to be able to say hey we'll have a second season and most of the characters will survive yep um it gives us a little something to look forward to with uh the 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 main scientist uh, I, I'm blanking on her name now it's not Lama Su, uh, but you know she's been taken now to an empire a, a new facility where she's going to continue her cloning work yeah. and a lot of people speculating that it might have something to do with Grogu or, or something with the Jedi you know who knows what it is like that, some connection to the Mandalorian is what I'm saying that yeah I I I can totally see that and that was a thing in the expanded universe too. So every once in a while, I go back to these books that I read in the 90s when I was a kid, um, Star Wars books that at one point, you know, were all that we had in terms of new Star Wars stuff. But True. I do remember distinctly there there was a side story in a Kevin J. Anderson novel about uh, an Imperial base or an Imperial facility where they were hoarding scientists from all over the universe to build weapons and do experimental stuff to benefit the Empire. Mm. So this this felt a bit like that to me. Yeah, and, and I guess the other connection they could probably make to, with it is uh, um, to episode nine, mm-hmm. something along that. So, but maybe they'll play it out more in the Bad Batch first before we get to yeah. that point, which would be cool to see. Yeah. And the other one was just the 
you know, not ending on a good note with, with, uh, crosshair. Yeah. Um, it was a decent note. Like there was some good stuff that happened. They that, reached a common ground, but they, they're not in agreement. Yeah. Still. I didn't think that they would ever get there. So, and I'm glad they didn't. Yeah. Because that's not how it works in real life. Yeah. You don't just go on a 30 minute episode and go by the end of it. Okay. I agree with you. I'll come with you and, and, and we'll, we'll live happily ever after as a, uh, you know, a group of five clones again, um, plus Omega. It's like, no, real life is, you probably still don't agree. And and that line from um, from Tech, the, I understand you, but it doesn't mean I agree with you. Absolutely loved it. Oh, Probably yeah. my favorite line of the whole first season. Yeah. When, when you say it, yeah, it does jump out at me. It didn't, it didn't catch me the same way when I heard it in the episode. Yeah. Um, but anyway, where would Tick. you like to start? In our season one recap episode of The Bad Batch, which we are calling Five Clones and a Little Lady. Aw. <laughs> because I was trying to come up with a name and thought of Three Men and a Baby and learned there was a sequel to it called Three Men and a Little Lady. I was like, okay, let's just change it to Five Clones. Which, which I didn't know. I didn't know that either until that point. Um, but that's a good one. No, where do, where would you like to start? What, what were some of your... Uh, Favorite moments from the season or biggest takeaways, themes, like what, where do you want to start? Um, so I had a few favorite moments or a few favorite themes. Um, I'm not sure exactly how to, how to, uh, how to put these out there, but I'll start with this one. And I found a few tweets that helped to articulate some things for me or point things out to me that I just thought were exceptionally good about this first season. Um, maybe, maybe we can save our overall, I guess, score, like, grade, yeah. whatever, for the season once we've wrapped up the conversation. Yep. Um, Stay I, tuned I, for I, that. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of debate to be had there. Um, but okay, so this first one that I got comes from a guy named Christian Johansson from Sweden, where we have a handful of listeners. Yes. So hello, Swedish friends. Um, but he tweeted, uh, it's a side-by-side pick of Omega from the first episode and from the last episode. Okay. And he points something out. Hmm. And he said, I love how camera angles made Omega appear small and out of place in the first episode of The Bad Batch while she appears taller and more experienced as a part of the squad in the finale. Huh. And if you do watch this first episode, because we've got it up on TV, a lot of the camera angle is down looking at her yeah. as you would any child. Yeah. And she she seems small and diminutive and um, not weak and helpless, but she seems like a little kid. Even the second episode, they were really playing that. I, that was the takeaway I had because once the season ended, I said, all right, let's start it over from the beginning and watch it all the way through. And they really played at the beginning this the child card a little bit more. Yeah. Like, when, remember in episode two, she gets off the plane. She sees, sees the soil. She picks up the soil. It's and And like... When she ran past the gate and the next who came after her, it was played as like a child. I think the, the, the lesson was we have to keep them safe. They're children. Mm-hmm. And so they played that card very heavy. And then all of a sudden by the end, she's bossing Hunter around. Yeah. <laughs> and giving him moral lessons. Yeah. She's, she's come a long way. She's come a long way. And I think that the camera work was, I'm sure, deliberate to show her small and diminutive and childlike in the beginning and then becoming more of... Uh, a full member of the Bad Batch and sort of the same stature and height as the rest of them as time goes on. Mm-hmm. But another another moment that happened towards the end there, and a thing I think they did well, and I probably don't give it enough credit for, 
is the way that they use music and use musical themes throughout the series. Yes. So at the end, at the end of this last episode, uh, one of the last shots of the season, uh, some of Omega's theme is kind of playing as she's talking to Crosshair and having a pretty clean break walking away from him, sort of a no hard feelings type of conversation. Yeah. Thank you. You saved me. I saved you type thing. Yep. And it's not uh, an entirely happy theme. And so things, I think, get a little bit more complicated as Omega's stature grows within the group. And I personally, I don't know about you, dude, but I I warmed up to Omega in a way that I didn't think I necessarily would. I'll admit that. I, I didn't know that I would like her as a character. I, I didn't know why she was there. And I think they 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 gave her a, a reason to be there that was greater than... It could have just been like she's tagging along, but no, like they they gave her significance. Uh, to the story and like episode nine or whatever that was where they revealed that she's there's an alpha and that was boba and she's omega the last uh and, and i guess the last true first generation clone mm-hmm. was the whole uh, thing that they're insinuating with that so um very uh very special in terms of you know where she's come from yeah so that was really cool if i may add um so this is this was tweeted by a certain point of view podcast uh, a fellow Star Wars podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and they pointed out that moment that you mentioned of when she feels the sun on her face and, and the soil. Mm. And it says um, in season one, episode two, cut and run as Omega is getting off the ship. We have this beautiful moment of wonder. as She experiences sunlight, nature and freedom for the first time. Now talking about the music, they say the major progression used for her theme here perfectly captures that sense of wonder and hope that she feels. I got to go back and watch and and really pay attention to the music and the camera angles a little bit more, I think. I know I really liked it and liked it in in moments where I either recognized it or it was just very appropriate. The music was really good, but I I didn't pick up on the cues that it was giving. So that's really cool. Yeah, very cool. Um, What a talent. Wonderful talent. Um, They definitely, they they put some really sharp, terrific people on this show. But what are some things that jumped out to you, man? You know, one thing that I kind of realized as I was watching back through, and I remember thinking this at the beginning, and most of it came across as like, Filoni's a genius. Like he just, he knows those things to really get at the nostalgia factor for Star Wars fans. And if you think like all the surprises that I think they pulled out, um, first, the first episode they had Depo Balaba and Caleb, who eventually becomes Kanan, uh, at the very beginning, and and that was surprising. People were so excited to kind of get that backstory and see that. Uh, all except for uh, our our bro host Dan, who uh, <laughs> he he rightfully called out that you know it kind of conflicts with the the story that they could tell in the comics. But yeah, that um, I, for, I forgot about that conversation. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh man, like I can see why that ruffled some feathers too. Um, but it was really cool to still get them back, especially these characters that uh, their genesis was with Filoni. Um, Saw Guerrero was in it, but then like every single episode after that, I realized there's just a surprise for everyone. Uh, something, to, you know, that will get the long-term fan really excited. So like they brought back the Nexu and Cut from uh, the Clone Wars. They brought uh, the, the baby Rancor, Moochie. Yep. Like that was really cool. Like people were speculating, is that was that Batista? Was that the yep. Rancor that we was get that in the Return Potato of Jedi? Bear? And like saying, oh, I'm never going to look at that scene again the same way. Yep. Um, then there was the Martez sisters coming back, uh, Rex eventually coming back, the Dianoga. And then I think everyone's favorite was Cad Bane. Yeah. As soon Pe- as he came back, people exploded with excitement again. People went nuts. And look, this is also a criticism of the season. 
in that you don't get as much out of it if you haven't put the work in to watch Clone Wars and, and the rest of the stuff. It, it works on its own, but you definitely miss that factor. Like it, it, it totally works on its, it's own. It's not as exciting if you don't have that full background. Yeah, it's it's not. Um, candidly, I don't think it's a ten out of ten show if you just oh, haven't fine. seen everything else. Yeah, but even then, having seen those, I don't think I would have still given it a ten out of ten. <gasps> but I'm spoiling what my my number is at the oh, end. By the way, no. it's not bad. It's no, not a bad no. number. <laughs> it's no, no, good. not at all. Uh, but then like. The, the other, I mean, I already mentioned the Alpha and Omega one, but um, the return to Ryloth and getting a young Hera Wait, what was Wait, what was the Alpha and Omega thing? That was Alpha's Boba Fett and Omega is her. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Um, you know, she hasn't changed her name yet. Maybe she'll change to something, rec- something we recognize later on. Who knows? But uh, that the significance of who she is. Got it. To the Kaminoans um, and to, to Star Wars and to those who know that story. Um, but getting the young Hera and Chopper was exciting. The TK numbers being introduced and Grieger, like the point being, there was a lot of reliance on familiarity and throwing in a lot of those surprises. And it almost felt like after a while that I don't know if it was just an over-reliance on some of those surprises of, of giving you those familiar things to just make it significant. But it it almost as I was watching it all the way through, became a bit of a distraction in some yeah, way. I, I would agree, and and it was like I I want you to to kind of focus, especially because like there are some areas I would have liked them to focus a little bit more on. I feel like I'll talk about this in a second. Character development wise, Omega got the most, got the most, made sense, was an was interesting good. creative arc, and um. I was really overall, overall pleased with how they developed her as a character. Yep. Criticism that I saw all over the place was that the rest of the Bad Batch stayed kind of one-dimensional. Very one-dimensional. And in except fact, for Hunter. Except for say. Hunter had a, a heck of an evolution, but even Crosshair. Um, yep. Crosshair, you expect to evolve, and they have this conversation about the inhibitor chip, and he explains that he had it removed. And so he's independently making these decisions. And to me, that's not character development. It's almost like he just doubled down on like, I'm I'm even more who I am than you thought I was when I had the inhibitor chip. Yeah. I'm I'm just I'm I'm so me that uh, I don't even need that and I still make these decisions. I'm making these choices. And his reason for making those choices is not wrong. It's like it's the same kind of choice that somebody who's in a job that maybe they should leave it or want to leave it. They don't because it's comfortable because they know it because they know how to do it. I just had this conversation with my therapist the other night. (laughs) You're like, this sounds familiar. This is the conversation that crosshairs having. My brothers went on this, you know, they, they just basically left and I'm here all alone now to, to be the, the, the best sharpshooter in the galaxy or whatever. Yeah. Like, He's feeling a little bit of that. You kind of feel for him in this episode because of that. I, I, I totally feel for him. He he has some conflict that he's trying to resolve, and it's really tough for him. Um, and he and he has some generosity of heart where he helps these guys out, and he didn't have to. And in fact, he probably shouldn't have if that's not where his allegiances lie. Um, but what does it say about him that he did? I he think gives, some... as he said, like, I'm going to give you a chance. You never gave me a chance. I'm kind of bitter and I'm, I feel betrayed by you, but I'm going to give this to you because 
I'm, you're still my brother. That that's the bigger man moment. I, yeah, I think is what that is. And and so that was kind of cool because that was unexpected yeah. to have him be that um, that gracious to be able to help those guys out. I don't know that it changes him a whole lot as a character. I think he's still the guy that we got in that first episode. And I think a lot of the bad batches. Um, I, Tech was awesome and loves when he had some really good one liners and really good moments, but didn't really develop. Didn't develop. Same and, with Echo. And uh, Tech uh, or Tick as, Tick. Tick as Omega would say. Omega. Um, Yep. Kind of stuck in the background the whole time and, and definitely adds some dimension to things and is entertaining and has some good one-liners, but kind of way there in the background and yeah. kind of forgotten about sometimes. I think we're lingering on this point a little long, but because at the same time, like, um, it, it's, it, it is a big, it's something I really noticed this time around, but it's something I, I just hope that they, they address. Hang on. Did you, season. did you rewatch the whole season? The whole season. Wow. Which was difficult to do in like three or four nights. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, because I think, so we are recording this on a Thursday evening, and I think you told me on Sunday that you were going to rewatch the whole season. Yeah, and I ended up making it through, and I'm pretty wow. tired because of it. I'm impressed. Yeah, it was tough. But uh, but I, I will say that's that's where um, seeing it all kind of pieced together like that, like when you just get it piece, piece by piece, you kind of forget the full story when you just yeah. watch it straight through like that. Um it it feels it's funny because it feels rushed you're like whoa how does omega go from being almost like a child in episode two to being this wise person that she is by episode 16 yeah um it it just goes very fast and progresses but but at the same time it did feel it felt right to her character especially as they reveal more details about her and you realize episode two is less about her just being a child it's more about her uh experiencing something other than topoka city for the first time in her life, which is, uh, you know, I, I can't even fathom how that would be for me. If the first time that I ever saw sunshine, mm-hmm. right. They don't see sunshine on um, yeah. um, Camino. First time I ever see it is, is at the age that she is. Whatever yes. It is. There, there is some of that for the bad batch too. I feel like where they're kind of out and about and exploring and, when they're put in a position where they have to find a way to survive on their own and they, they fall into being employed by Sid, you know, that that's gotta be, that's gotta be an interesting place in terms of uh, another one of my themes, which is identity. Hmm. So how is it that you self identify one, when you're a clone, when you were literally manufactured from an alpha and you are a descendant and yeah, you've got some of your own individual personality, but you're a clone. Mm-hmm. You were you're grown in a factory. And then the Republic falls apart. And so you were a clone that was designed to serve a certain cause and purpose that is no longer there. And now you have to independently find a way to survive. Yeah. I I thought like th- those were interesting questions that I think were shown to the audience kind of teed up for the audience, but weren't really tackled. There wasn't a whole lot of like, but who are we if we are not, you know, not in any real depth, I felt like. Especially because I remember thinking that when I was rewatching episode eight, which is uh, Reunion, um, which is a great episode, but there's a line in there about... Remind us what that one's about. That that was right after they got the inhibitor chips removed. Uh-huh. And they have the reunion with Crosshair, they're uh, on the wreckage of the the Star Destroyer, 
um, the the Republic one, and they're uh, they're talking about why didn't we go with Rex? And you know, Hunter's kind of got this view of just like it's not their path. But then they're all like, but then what is our path? Like working for Sid? Like right. is that really our path? Right. And even Crosser is like, really? Like you can't really define what your path is yet. And so I, I feel like we don't know what it is. Like Hunter's their leader and is leading them a direction, but it, it feels like uh, they still don't know where they're trying, what their place is, and they're figuring yeah. that out. But they don't. They obviously know it's not with the Empire, but then it's also not with the Rebellion. Right. So where is it? Yeah. And maybe that's part of Hunter's overall arc is he's still got to figure that out and eventually figure out how to get Crosshair into it, <laughs> but that their place is in the Rebellion. So is their identity, their mission, or their cause? Is that really what defines them? Are they are they kind of searching for that? I think their identity is defined more about their brotherhood. Ah. And that's a lot of it with the clones is about their, their, you know, their relation to each other and how people won't necessarily, you know, treat them like real people. And so they treat each other like real people. Yeah. So, I mean, you even see it with season three of the man or season two of the Mandalorian, the very last episode, uh, when Bo-Katan is like, I've heard your voice a million times, like talking about, um, Boba Fett and could tell like she treats him like a clone like like you're not a real person and mm. and so they even feel a lot less like it because even the regulars and them have this tiff like yeah. they, they have this or rift between them you know um, so they are defined by the brotherhood they have between the five of them yeah and that's why it hurts so much more for Crosshair and and that's why I really liked that the last episode of the season brought them back to their barracks or their room yeah. in Camino, um, reunited with Crosshair in that space where Wrecker notched on the wall the numbers of the missions as they yeah. got back. Um, because I, I, I feel like part of also their identity and their brotherhood was that it was contained in that one space together. Like yeah. they, whatever happened in the rough and tumble battle of the day, they'd find themselves back in that room together. Which is awesome. And and that's what, again, tip my hat to some of the great stuff, like Wrecker and the tradition of him marking on the wall. And when he doesn't get to do that, like he builds a new tradition with Omega and that's the Mantel mix. Like that's such a cool thing. What do you think that is? What The Mantel mix? Yeah. Uh, like I always think popcorn, but then, I mean, they sell Mantel mix at, uh, at Disney World at the... They do? Um, Batu. Yeah, I don't know really what it is. I got to look it up again. I'm curious. I always think of like caramelized popcorn or like, um, what's that like, that like crunchy kind of almond stuff that I can't remember, but it's it's super good. Hmm. I'm gonna look up what that is that they're selling in Batu. Yeah. Um, and there's a few things like that, like the blue milk and whatever, yeah. which is not milk. Good, I can drink it still. Yeah. You, can you not have up. dairy? Huh? You can't have dairy. I force my ha- myself to have some dairy because ice cream is just too good to ever not eat it again. But milk, I always do lactate. Yeah. So let's talk about my dietary. You're going to have to. Uh... Our, our, our new segment, Ben's <laughs> Dietary Restrictions. In <laughs> general. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that would not be good. We would lose. He people. can't even eat milk. <laughs> He's not a real boy. <laughs> <laughs> some pinocchio reference there. How's that? oh man <laughs> um, it just got weird <laughs> it got weird a long time ago it i'm did. sorry it's been, man it's been weird for 30 episodes <laughs> this is there's 30 what were we talking about the mantel mix right what's that uh the mantel mix 
what's in it? Yeah, what's I don't in, know. Yeah, Google. Um, we'll find out. But but the, my point being the bugs, tradition. the protein source of the future. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's not that much protein. Who knows? We need to look up what what is in the table of contents or the table. What does that the, the nutrition label? The, yeah, the nutrition label. The nutritional facts made with one hundred percent organic mantels. <laughs> <laughs> now what's a mantel i need to know <laughs> down the rabbit hole we go oh man we're lost um no but like that tradition just setting that back up and that was uh, uh you know wrecker was the other one that i can't, I can't. you can't get back on track I can't. Hang i'm on, trying sorry. man i'm trying come with me uh, i just i just pictured that meme where it's like uh you know you ask one star wars question and then you know flash forward and it's 3 a.m and you're watching a 40 minute youtube video on the different <laughs> types of chairs that they have at the jedi council <laughs> Like, why would anyone watch this? And then, like, five thousand hands go up. Like, I want to watch this. Right, eight thousand comments, questions. Yeah, but but really, would it be designed like that? Oh god, I don't even want to pretend like I know what I'm talking about there. Um, anyway, Wrecker traditions. I did like that connection, and that's the other thing. I think Wrecker was the other than Hunter and Omega was the other one that I felt was really well developed. Like he had that whole side story at the beginning with with the. Uh, the inhibitor trip mm-hmm. that led to what was one of my favorite episodes. Uh, the one where they have to get the inhibitor trips removed. Yeah. And I, I, I loved seeing, um, I didn't love it. And it was a little bit disconcerting seeing Wrecker be, um, Unhinged. be inhibited, I guess. Um, just because you see like how big a powerful guy he is. And he's like the sweet, like goofy big brother type character mm-hmm. to Omega. And then you see just how, I guess uh, a negative force he can be when he is uh, being completely controlled that way. Yeah. yeah. It was just a good contrast. It, it was also something I guess I appreciated more was just uh, how mean Crosshair was to him. Like you saw it in the last yeah. episode, like he's mean to him. He He's the probably one of the smarter ones uh, other than tech. Yep. Who isn't mean to him, right? It kind of appreciates his role within the group. Um, but just, because he's not the brightest crayon in the box. Yep. Right. He's more of that brute um, that he, he's treated by Crosshair like he has less value or something. It's that, really that, weird. That's a good point about tech, though. That that's um, It goes to show that smart and nice are two different things. Yeah. They, they just don't go together necessarily. Yeah. Yeah, ex- exactly. Um, no, I, I, the other thing that I guess I'll say is I, I thought that there were some really cool moments in in this uh, season where other than just like the character development for a few, which I'll get back to for Omega and Hunter, but there are some good life lessons. Oh, please. Yeah. In this too. Um, and I guess the one that I picked up this time around was in like common ground where, and, and, and they kind of made this a theme even again at the very end where um, they kind of learned the lesson that you, you can still help people that you disagree with and try to find the common ground. Like they said, like uh, that was the whole theme of that episode. And then I loved how they juxtaposed that with the, the following episode on Ryloth when Cham is kind of conflicted of, you know, do I go in the direction of the Empire and we finally have peace, we finally won the war, and, and but but I'm not really sure I really like these guys coming in there and dealing with all that conflict um, and juxtaposing those two episodes back-to-back with each other. So um, I thought those were good. Like, you had a lot of good parenting moments and parenting lessons the wisest person of the group ended up being Omega. Like she unfaultingly just kept challenging the group and saying, why wouldn't we go and help this person? Uh, why, why not help uh, 
Hera get her parents back, even if the odds are stacked against us. Like, if we can come up with a good plan, shouldn't we do it? Like, there's somebody in need, and that's what our... Like, who cares if we're going to get paid or not? Like, she kind of had that moral backbone and, and taught a lot of good lessons along the way. That That's a great point. That was something else that I wanted to touch on, was the fact that she becomes a moral voice for this broader group of supposedly more mature and more experienced adults. Right. Even though, like, that, there's a few different role reversal type things between Omega and the Bad Batch. We find out Omega is actually older than the Bad Batch. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that, to me, is like... But their growth was accelerated. Her growth was accelerated, but that, to me, is like a, a very kind of like, oh, yeah, I'm watching a science fiction-y type show. Right. <laughs> um, it's a good reminder of that. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think that some of the morality that Omega displays is almost like throwing caution to the wind type morality where she is willing to take risks and drag the bad batch into risky situations to do what she perceives to be the right thing or what they would have done for us and so on and so on. So, um, wisdom, definitely, uh, reckless though, like a reckless morality, I think there's something really endearing about that, about like, I'm going to risk my neck to help you because it's the right thing. Yeah. Um, so that's another part of the reasons, I guess, that like Omega really grows on me throughout the the show is um, it's just a really sweet, endearing kind of like, I- I'm, I'm willing to put myself in harm's way for you. Yeah. And e- even even the droid in the last episode. Yeah. It's a droid. Easy. Um, like we've talked about in one of our, our droid episodes, um, how one way you can look at these things in, you know, from a realistic perspective are that droids are like appliances, Mm -hmm. they're like sophisticated appliances that it's like your Roomba is a droid. Um, but she, she knows that the droid has helped them and helped her. And so she's willing to risk her life to make sure that droid gets back. Okay. Like Mm. it's really endearing that. Yeah. That's that's a really good point. Um, I mean, she's uh, she does a lot of those really those endearing things that just kind of capture even the, just like the simple way that she says that we should help him. Like, isn't that just the right thing to do? Right, right. Or or, or even just like the uh, the part with um, uh, what was that Roland? In I think it was like episode thirteen or whichever one that was the infected or infested one, mm-hmm. right? Like her simple way of just going, well, Ruby likes him, so he must not be that bad. Right. Like, first of all, the the maturity to make that connection. Like, I I would never, I I guess part of it is just like, you've got to think first and foremost that this animal here has the ability to discern between a good person and a bad person. Right. And then only associate themselves with good people or people that they like. I should say that more. People that they like. And then for her to recognize that and say, hmm, so if Ruby likes him, then he can't be all that bad. I think a lot of adults would be like, that's not how the world works, kid. That's not how animals are. They're not that smart and that kind of stuff. But she doesn't see it that way. Mm-hmm. You know, she sees this as a sophisticated animal and therefore maybe there's reason to why she should trust him a little yeah. bit. Even if everything he's done up to that point is not trustworthy. Yeah. <laughs> So. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a really good point about how you're you're portraying how she makes her argument to put themselves in harm's way or whatever. Yeah. Like the truth is often really simple. It's it, you know explaining it, and talking around it, and putting it in a way that it lands well for whoever's trying to receive it. But kids don't do that. Um, mm-hmm. Kids tell you how it is, 
and uh, she just lays it out there and says, well, like, if, if so-and-so likes him, then must be good. Yeah. End of story. End of story. Yeah. And you go, mm, Hunter just goes, okay. Yeah. Interesting that you, that's how you thought about that. Yeah. Even though no one in the group thought he was, he was a good guy, maybe he deserved what he's about to get. You yeah. know, no one else stood up for him. Nobody did. You know, except, well, eventually Sid did. Eventually Sid was like, no, just call this a bad deal and walk away. And Pike said no to that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was really interesting. Should our, we, should we do our top five episodes? You read my mind. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> yes. So let's talk real quick. Tell us what your, go from the bottom up, five to one. Mm-hmm. What your fifth was, fourth, all the way up, and tell us a little bit about the episode, maybe why you you ranked it where you did, and I'll do the same. Okay. Um, so I, I look, I didn't have a scientific way of doing this. <laughs> there's no I, such way to do this scientifically. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I feel like there's probably some fans out there who are like, I created a grading rubric. I use an Excel spreadsheet, and it calculated a score based off of my inputs. So. <laughs> right. I, I, I scored each episode off 16 simple qualitative factors, and blah, blah, blah. And no. I, I just kind of went <laughs> off, what did I like? And I, I actually went to, um, uh, what's that website called? Is it just called Ranker? Um, and not like Rancor, like the beast. But... <laughs> That's what I thought of. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there, there is a website. I think it's called, uh, yep, Ranker.com. And people can just go and vote on the episodes of the season of The Bad Batch or other TV shows as well. Um, and so I kind of use that because I was curious to see how other people were ranking them. And my ranking did not shake out the same way okay. as most people. But I'll, I'll quickly go through them. Um, number five, decommissioned. This okay. is this is. Do you remember this one? This is the one yes, like I in do. the factory where they're trying to get the droid, and um, they're not the only ones trying to get the droid. I like this one a lot because of Omega's personal growth. Okay. Uh, this is one where she has to. Well, I think that the main image that jumps out to me about this one is her throwing herself in harm's way for the good of the Bad Batch because she wants to be part of the Bad Batch so bad. Mm-hmm. Um, number four, Camino lost. Loved okay. the action in that one. Loved Omega's heroism in that one. Um, number three, Bounty Lost because of Cad Bane. Uh-huh. Um, love Cad Bane in that one. Uh, also, again, a lot about Omega that I like in that one. Uh, Cornered, number two. Okay. Love the chase scenes on Pantora and all the excitement and uh, action and all that. Number one, my favorite episode from the season. Oh, man. And and uh, I, I don't feel bad about this. I'm not going to apologize for it. My favorite episode going back is still the first episode, Aftermath. Okay. Hmm. Interesting that you say that. Yeah. Uh, only interesting because uh, I I think it's what got people excited about the season. And I, I would agree with you. It's one of the better ones. But, you know, as, as the episodes went on, like, I, I felt like that was a distant memory. And so... so it's really interesting that you like it stayed there for you yeah. at the very top. So I, cool. and you know, you know, one of the things that made me really appreciate it was uh, I think it was like two weeks into the season. You pointed out to me that episode one starts with the Clone Wars voiceover because Order 66 has not been executed yet. And it's still technically the Clone Wars. Yeah. And then that's over. And then so is the voiceover thing. And I thought, 
gosh, that's clever. I, I really like how they set that up, and I kind of went back and watched it, and I just I really appreciated it. No, I, I totally agree with you from that front. Like, if you, if I, the only criticism I had against it rewatching it was it did feel a little slow, and it almost was like, yeah, you made it a longer episode, but you could have shortened it actually. Yeah, um, probably. But like that, that was my only criticism against it because otherwise it did exactly what it needed to do, which is get me excited to watch the rest of the season. Yep. Like it was a very good first episode. It had the surprises I mentioned that mm-hmm. got people excited and hooked it. Eventually it brought back Saw Gerrera too later on. So it, it kind of had all the factors that it, it kept going back to for each episode after that to the surprise factors. Um, but just, you know, setting the plot forward, the rift between them. I was so sad when Crosshair didn't go with him. I was hoping it would be like the full group and mm-hmm. it wasn't. Yep. So, and, and that's the a good thing about this first eight seasons. Like they did a good job making sure that that remained the theme was this split. They brought it all the way back at the end of the, the season. Now they had a lot of episodes in between where that wasn't the focus, but it, it just kind of true to any, um, any sitcom almost like it, it, ended up being that that cloud that hovered over the whole plot that that's a good point they committed and they they stayed committed to that the which was good yeah um so but what do you got to hit, hit me with your list well Count- it's funny because i think you mentioned a couple that i will eventually mention oh. too and i'm glad to hear oh. that you did oh. um the i will say that reunion the one with cad bane uh slipped a little bit for me it was near the, in the top and then it, it fell out but i totally agree for a lot of the same reasons that you did but my uh, number five is the same one as you. Uh, I don't remember what number you said. Maybe three. Cornered. Um, oh, nice one. Okay. The chase scene. The clink droid. Um, yeah. Uh, and something I didn't appreciate about this one, but Omega, like, kind of, she's seeing as uh, this as an opportunity to go sightseeing. Remember? Like, she, yeah. Like, they were just trying to find, the Bad Batch was trying to find ways to keep food on the table and money in their pocket. Um, but she wanted to go sightseeing, right? And instead, what she got was real world experience mm-hmm. that was a hard episode for her she went from thinking the that you know the galaxy is just a place you go explore to the galaxy is actually a pretty cool place yeah like i almost got kidnapped yep and could have died uh, you know hanging from a, a ledge at one point mm-hmm. like it was it was rough but that was a great episode the chase scene and the development for omega that was cool excellent number four return to ryloth okay uh i really liked the you know, Omega and Hera putting their heads together to come up with a strategy and you get and see Hera fly for the first time and, uh, and, you know, seeing Chopper and stuff like that. But this was just such a, Oh, and even just like Hauser and dealing with him as the clone, the defecting mm-hmm. and getting his oh, good stuff. comrades yeah. to defect too. Like that was just good stuff. Yeah. Good and pick. ending on the note of, um, of crosshair going like, uh, what did he, like, can I go after them? Like it felt at that point, like, all right, we're finally going to get to where we want to get to, which is a reunion. Yep. A, a, a reunion that explains a lot more between Crosshair and the rest of the Bad Batch. So I love that one. Uh, episode seven, Battle Scars, was my number three. Oh, that's a good one, too. I love this one for, because it's heart-wrenching when Wrecker turns. But they had built it up so much, you were just waiting for it. And you just wanted to see what would happen when he did. And it did not disappoint. Um, it was gut wrenching. It was, it was great getting the Dianoga back. It was cool. Rex returning was cool. Oh yeah. But I, I just loved the, uh, the way that they kind of dealt with that whole fallout. Um, episode 14, 
War Mantle was my number two. Um, the nostalgia factor with the seeing the Empire and the TKs and was Hunter that the, was captured. that the first one of the the like the, that it was that one and then uh, Ryloth. Uh, Those went together. Yeah, War Mantle led into no th- that wasn't Ryloth. That was it was a couple episodes after Ryloth. Ah, uh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was the one where Hunter gets captured at the very end. Yep. Okay. So, um, but that one was really good uh, in terms of just like getting that nostalgia factor in there, and and yeah, like Hunter getting captured and the way that they led up to that was it was sad. Yeah. You know, and it was tough to see how that impacted Omega. And then my favorite was actually the fifteenth uh, episode, Return to Camino. So you, your first one was the how it kicked off. Mine yep. was how it ended. Okay, <laughs> I, I loved them both. They were both terrific. Um, I should say. Not episode sixteen. Episode sixteen was the last episode. This was the one prior to that, yeah. where they, you have the reunion with with Hunter. Yes, and he gives them the chance. Uh, the the music cue when like they were fighting as a bad batch again got me really excited. Mm-hmm. That was probably what did it. So, so we've listed our favorite episodes, some of our favorite themes. Season one is in the books. What grade do you give it? Uh you go first. Greater or stars ranking are out of 10. What are we going to do? What scale? Um, I've got both. You've got both? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, give me out of 10. I, I, I like the um, I, I like the precision that you can get with uh, 10, 10 stars. Give it. Give me out of 10 stars. Let's do that. I will you can, give it... You can do it... quarter stars, half stars. You can do half stars? Yeah. Oh, okay. Hmm. I will give it an eight. Ooh, okay. Which, again... Eight full stars. Eight full stars. Again, I critiqued it you know, a bit here and there, um, but at the end of the day, I was very entertained, and I would go wa- back and watch a lot of these episodes again. Oh yeah, uh, I love the characters. I love the individuality of each member of the Bad Batch, and that's the thing. Like maybe they didn't get developed, but each of them has a place, and they play their part to a T. That's absolutely right. They're so distinct, and um, there's no real overlap. It's not right. like. Like, but but they are you do get the brotherhood vibe yes even like echo who i feel like was one of the more underserved ones like when he had his moments like i mentioned in uh the uh, war mantle um episode we need to go save gregor because rex trusts him and i trust him like he has his moments still mm-hmm. in, in episodes like that so uh I, I just like each one of these characters a lot wrecker is still my favorite and uh my only critiques I've already mentioned enough of, but it, I, I would watch this again and I'm excited for what it's set up for. It wasn't perfect. There's some episodes where, yeah, that was okay. That was mm-hmm. fine, but they all kind of had their purpose and they all told a good story. Yeah. And it's just the start of something, hopefully bigger for a while. Yeah. And it finally told us like what's happening in the empire. Yeah. Like when it got established and started up. Yeah. Which is, which is really cool stuff. Yeah. Um, How about you? I give it a 7.75. <laughs> You're going to that. Does Usually people go to like 0. 0.5 increments. Well, it was 7.745 and I just rounded oh, it up. Oh, stop. Because uh, <laughs> it would just be too dorky. Um, oh, man. Uh, so I agree with everything you've said. I think we both have our own criticisms of the show. I think we both certainly agree on a lot of the stuff that we love. It loses a quarter of a star for me in that from my score you mean um well no i was going to give it an eight. Oh, okay but it lost a quarter of a star for me 
based on just how deep you have to go to be able to appreciate everything in this show. Sure. Okay. You have to have done hours and hours and hours of Clone Wars watching, etc., to really be able to get everything out of the show that you should be able to get out of it. And hey, maybe some of that stuff will unfold for you over time, dear listeners. If you haven't watched, you know, the other animated series, maybe you'll you'll watch them and come back and watch the Clone Wars and then your head will explode when you see Cad Bane again and, mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, but, uh, and, and that was a criticism that I saw all over the place on m- middle of the road media outlets. So not media outlets that are Star Wars centric, but ones to just cover TV and things like that said yeah. like, hey, you kind of have to go deep to be able to get the juice out of this show. Um, I, 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 I think that some of them were a little bit harsh. I think like you, I think you can, um, I, I agree that you can really enjoy this show uh, as a standalone show. The episodes work as standalone episodes and so on. Um, but yeah, I think uh, you know, if, if you haven't seen all that stuff, it's just not quite the same. But I love it. I'm excited for season two. Yeah. And, and to be honest, I think every, here's the other thing I was going to say out of all of the animated series that they've done, the clone wars rebels and this, I think this was the best first season of any of their animated. Yep. So what can it do from here? Where can it go? What? uh, And I, I kind of mentioned like um, clone wars, let's just say clone wars, it struggled a lot in its first season, yeah. I felt. And then it really picked up. And every season after that is progressively better than the one that came before. To the point where I think season five has some of my favorite episodes and favorite moments. Um, so, and then episode, you know, season seven has some great ones too. Like it just ends with a bang. So I see some great potential if that's sure. If that's kind of the example to go off of, if, if season one was to me, a struggle in Clone, War- Clone Wars and it ends up in such a great place, what does that say that the Bad Batch could do? Same with Rebels. Yeah. Like, I think seasons two and three of Rebels really get get really good. Season one, it just was like, okay, I'm watching this. Um, so I have a lot of high hopes for season two if that's the track record that it follows, yeah. similar to those ones. So, and with the fact that I just said it was one, the best first season of any of them. Yeah. So, lot to look forward to. We will do some more coverage of that when when we get episodes and as news starts to drop of when those could be arriving. My guess is it's if they just build it for season two, it's it's going to be a little bit more time, but expect it sometime in 2022. Yeah, and, and thankfully animated series, even though there's all this concern about the Delta variant and things like that, you can still record in a booth on your own. So they yeah. can do the voice work, <laughs> they can do the animation, they can make this show uh, even if there is another wave of the pandemic, but fingers crossed that, you know, hopefully we're, we're beyond that in history, but uh, I think there's like outlets coming out and saying, it's time that we just accept that we're going to live with this. Like this is part of life now and we got to figure out yeah. what that means, Yeah, which means boosters or whatever and stuff like that. So we'll, we'll get to the other side of this though. Yep. But kids stay home and listen to the Star Bros podcast <laughs> <laughs> available wherever you download your podcast today <laughs> and on the bro Axiom YouTube channel. Yes. Um, all right. I'm go. What else do we got? I, I think we uh, just want to say thank you to everybody who's been listening to the show, um, who's been watching the show on the Baraxium YouTube channel, um, who's been uh, liking, commenting, sending us messages um, on Twitter, at Star Bros Podcast. Uh, please do, if you do like the show, please subscribe on whatever platform it is that you listen on. Uh, leave us a review. It helps us out. Again, um, we're not making any money on, we're just having fun. And yep. 
getting emails from you guys at the, uh, what's our email address? The Star Bros Podcast. Podcast. The Star Bros Podcast at Gmail. Um, We love getting your messages. Um, Our friend Publicly Shamed has sent us a bunch of great messages over the last few weeks. So uh, much love to Publicly Shamed. Um, And and we just really enjoy talking Star Wars, connecting with folks, and you guys are, are doing that with us. So thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Go to YouTube, subscribe to Broaxium, uh, and and uh, basically uh, just keep your comments, questions, and enthusiastic Star Wars banter coming our way. Thank you. And so what is our next episode going to be about? So our next episode, we are going to have to figure out how this works. It's just going to be fun. Prepare for it. Be excited about it. Know that it's going to be awesome. We are going to try to bring you some of the... Uh, craziest wackiest facts that we learn about star wars whether it's about the movies themselves or about the making of it or just like try to surprise each other with like did you know fun facts i love it and have a really fun conversation around uh you know just just things that might surprise you so listeners you might learn a few things from us that you're like you guys didn't know that or it'd be like wow that's so cool i can't wait to tell my friends is hopefully the 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 outcome of this hopefully but uh you know Look forward to that. It should be really interesting because we love learning more about it and, just, and thought it would be cool to just explore the, um, you know, kind of the craziest facts that might be out. Almost like the Guinness World Records. Like, they, yes. someone can do that? <laughs> yeah. So rather than trying to, like, have a, a narrative or a theme or whatever, the theme is just going to be let's try to surprise each other with the wackiest facts that we can find. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Yeah. I think it'll be a lot of fun. So look forward to that. Thank you, as always, like Jan said, for joining us every uh, other week on... What's that? Thank you. (laughs) Yes, thank you for that. And thank you for always giving me a reason to laugh, Jan. Uh, It's it's the best. So, something I look forward to every week. Uh, What do we have to to say to our, our listeners? Is there anything else we need to tell them? We have one more thing. What's that one thing? Is it you? It's you. It's me. <clears throat> That's a wrap! There you go! <laughs>